Awesome. So, if you've got your Bibles or um, a phone Bible, it's all Bibles, turn with me to the Gospel of John, and we're going to be in chapter 2. And we're going to be reading from verses 13. So we'll just read the passage for the day, and then we'll get set up and we'll get into it. So John chapter 2, verses 13, and it says this. It says, It was time for the annual Passover celebration, and Jesus went to Jerusalem. In the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifices. And he saw money changers behind the counters. Jesus made a whip um, from some ropes and chased them all out of the temple. He drove out the sheep and the oxen, scattered the money changers, coins over the floor, uh, and turned over their tables. Then going over to the people who sold doves, he told them, get these things out of here. Don't turn my father's house into a marketplace. Then his disciples remembered this prophecy from the Scriptures. Passion for God's house burns within me. What right do you have to do these things, the Jewish leaders demanded? If you have this authority from God, show us a miraculous sign to prove it. All right, Jesus replied, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. What? They exclaimed. It took 46 years to build this temple and you can do it in three days? But by this temple, Jesus meant his body. After he was raised from the dead, the disciples remembered that that he had said this and they believed both Jesus and the Scriptures. Because of of the miraculous signs he did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many people were convinced that he indeed was the Messiah. But Jesus didn't trust them because he knew what people were really like. No one needed to tell him about human nature. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that when we come to your word, it's like coming to a light in a dark room. Thank you, Lord, that you don't leave us alone to do life without direction, but you give us your word to light up our life, to bring clarity to our path, to, Lord, restore in our soul the things that get broken through life. Your word actually revives us. So we pray, Lord, as we come to your word, that you would help us to understand it, help us to to gain clarity of what you're saying to us. And Lord, would you help us to do it? Would you help us to apply it? We don't want to be hearers only. We don't want to be people that hear what you say and then are not able to do it. We need your help to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. So we have a really cool passage here. Of Jesus making a scene, <laughs> just like disrupting the system of what is going up. And so for context, it says that they were going up for the annual Passover celebration. So in Jewish culture, that was something they would do as a, a religious a part of their worship. And the Passover festival was remembering the, the time in the story of the Exodus when um, that where God said to the people to put blood over their doorposts and that when the when um, when there was going to be a, a plague coming through and that the firstborns of of um, that of Egypt were all going to be um, be killed it's a crazy story but that's what was going to happen but God said put the blood over your doors so that there will be a Passover okay and so then they they were celebrating that that 
that uh, event in history and that's what they were doing. It was the, the celebration and the worship around the Passover festival. So it was a part of their religious experience to do these celebrations and these festivals. And there were a number of them throughout the year. And what they would do, the Jewish people from all over the countryside, they would travel to Jerusalem. They would journey there because that's where the temple was and that's where everything was done right at Jerusalem. So we find Jesus fresh off the miracle of turning water into wine. And they, after they turned the water into wine, is that, that's what we talked about last week, is that they went back to Capernaum. They stayed there for a couple of days. And then it says, then they come to Jerusalem. And they're moving to Jerusalem for the Passover. And, and what we see Jesus doing here, and we see actually in the story, is that Jesus is gaining believers as He's moving along in this journey. From the beginning of John to now, we can see that people are starting to put their faith in Jesus. And we actually know that the purpose of this book, the Gospel of John, is to create believers in the people who read to believe about Jesus. So as Jesus was doing His signs, as He was doing His activity and He was teaching, people were beginning to believe that He truly was the Messiah, the one sent from God, the one who was going to come and save um, their people and to restore the kingdom of Israel. And they didn't even realise that God was doing more than just doing that. He was come to save all humanity and came to be the king over everyone. And so that's where we are. People are starting to believe. And Jesus is is making a scene. He comes to the temple and he he flips tables, makes a whip. And and he, he does, like, you just think, Jesus, settle down a little bit. Um, but it talks about how Jesus was so passionate about his father's house that it actually consumed his actions. And when he saw things that were out of order, out of place, it actually moved him into action. Uh, And so he was so passionate about that. But I want to just draw your attention to, so what does Jesus take issue with here? It says, let's just go there. He says, In the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep and doves for sacrifices. He saw money changes behind the counters. Okay, so we see the trigger. But I want you to just understand what they were doing wasn't wrong. It was the location of what, of what they were doing. So people would travel from far and wide to Jerusalem and they couldn't haul the sacrifices that they needed. So what they would do is they would come to Jerusalem and they would purchase the, the, the animals um, that they needed for sacrifice and they would need the specific money uh, and so they would have to change money. So what was happening wasn't wrong in and itself, but what Jesus took issue with is where it was happening. And it was happening in the temple. Now, we don't have time to, fight, to, to go into what the temple setup was, but what you need to understand is this, how Jewish people would worship, it was temple worship and it was set up in, in, in locations and there would be in, on the inner, inner temple, there'd be the most holy of holies and then there would be an inner court and then there would be an outer court and then different people would be allowed in different places to, to worship God. It was, it was very structured. It was very, there was a lot of rules and, and that. And, and what Jesus found, and they, they're assuming it was in the outer court, but still in the temple courts, these markets were happening, these changes of, of finances were happening, the, the selling, and there would be, you know, you can imagine there was cows mooing and, uh, and pigeons making, it was just noisy. 
And what Jesus took issue with wasn't the, the commerce of the situation, but it was the location of the commerce. Because what he said is that my father's house is to be a house of prayer and you've turned it into a marketplace. And so that's the background that's going to help us understand what God's saying to us today. And what we see Jesus doing here is, is by His actions showing us that He is actually replacing temple worship. Jesus was replacing the old system of how religion worked and how faith in God worked and He was doing a new thing. It was a symbolism. And we talked about last week, sometimes Jesus would do these physical signs to show us spiritually something that has happened. And when He turned water into wine, it was a symbolism of the fact that He can renew and restore out of our lives and bring the new wine out of our life. It was something physical that pointed to a spiritual reality. So Jesus was replacing the old way of worship. And that's relevant to us because if the old way of worship remained, I'm sorry to say you would have no access to relationship with God. No, no, so you, you live in Australia and the temple, <laughs> that temple's in Jerusalem. So in order to worship, you would need to be in Jerusalem. That's the old way of doing things. And what Jesus actually says is that I've come to replace the whole system I'm here to restore the whole setup. And he, and, and he said, because the, the religious leaders of the time, he said, what are you doing? You're making a scene and you're flipping tables. And, and he said, what authority do you have to do it? And he says, they said, give us a sign. And it's funny because God uses a sign, but they're demanding a sign from a place of, of unbelief and a place of doubt. And, and just, oh, I'll give you a sign, destroy this temple and I'll raise it up in three days. That's what we just read. And they were so confused because they thought Jesus was talking about the temple in Jerusalem, the bricks and the, the clay. I don't know what they used, wood, who knows? In fact, we, we could know. It's in the Bible, but I don't know right now. <laughs> but He wasn't talking about their temple. Jesus was saying, I have come to replace that temple with me. Isn't that amazing? So the old place of worship is actually transformed. And so there is no need for that physical temple because Jesus says, I am the new temple. I have come to replace that temple. And I love the imagery here because by Jesus saying, I'm coming to, to change the whole system, I'm coming to replace the whole system. It's exactly what we, re we read in John chapter 1 a few weeks ago in verses uh, 17, where it says, For the law was given through Moses, God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. So there was an old way of doing it, but now Jesus says, I am the new way of access to God. I am the new place where you encounter God. Can you? That's what a temple was. It was a place where you went to meet God and to worship God and to pray with God. And now the way to that is Jesus. I break that temple, but I'll raise up a new temple in three days. He was talking about Himself. So the temple... It is replaced by Jesus. What else does Jesus replace about the old system? 
In the old way of temple worship, as we read, they were selling cattle, they were selling doves, and they were doing it for sacrifice. And that's graphic, but it's the reality that that sacrifice and worship was connected to, to animal sacrifice where they would offer their livelihood, offer the things that belonged to them, and they would give it to God. That's what it was. But Jesus came to replace that system of sacrifice with a better sacrifice, with Himself. Jesus came to be the perfect sacrifice, the sacrifice once and for all so that no other sacrifice needed to be made, so that it's the blood of Jesus that speaks for us. We don't need the blood of an animal any longer to to make uh, payment for our mistakes and our brokenness. Are are you getting the connection here? Jesus came to replace that. And I want to take you to um, uh, Hebrews chapter 9 where it really gives us a great beautiful picture into what Jesus did in that, in that regard. Hebrews um, chapter 9 says this about that. It says, Now in the first covenant between God and Israel, there were regulations for worship. A sacred text here on earth. There were two rooms in this tent. In the first room was a lampstand and a table and loaves of holy bread on the table. This was called the holy place. Then there was a curtain and behind the curtain, there was a second room called the most holy place. In that room, there was gold, a gold incense altar and a wooden chest called the Ark of the Covenant, which was covered with gold on all sides. Inside of the Ark, there was a gold jar containing some manna, Aaron's staff that sprouted leaves and the stones of the tablets of the covenant with the Ten Commandments were written on them. The glorious cherubim were above the ark. Their wings were stretched out over the ark's cover. Then the, uh, the place of atonement. But we cannot explain all of these things now. Verse 6, when these things were all in place, the priests went in and out of the first room regularly as they performed their religious duties. But only the high priest goes into the most holy place and only once a year and always with blood which he offers to God to cover his own sins and the sins of the people who have commit uh, the sins the people have committed in ignorance by these regulations the holy spirit revealed that the most holy place was not open to the people as long as the first room and the entire system it represents were still in use this is an illustration pointing to the present time for the gifts and sacrifices uh, that the priests offer are not able to cleanse the conscious, consciences of the people who, were, who would bring them. For the old system deals only with food and drink and ritual washing, external regulations that are in effect only until their limitations can be corrected. Verse 11. So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He, he has entered the, that great, perfect sanctuary in heaven, not made by human hands and not part of this created world. Once and for all, He took blood into the most holy place, but not the blood of goats and calves. He took His own blood and with it He secured our salvation forever. Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a young cow would cleanse people's bodies from ritual defilement. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our hearts from the deeds that lead to death so that we can worship the living God. For the power of the eternal Spirit, Christ offered Himself to God as a perfect sacrifice. I mean, we read a lot, but was that worth it? Oh, yeah. Because it gives us into a snapshot of what Jesus came to do was to totally, totally make new the system of worshipping God. 
so that the sacrifice is no longer what we can bring and and by our own effort and by our own ability to be right and to do right. God replaces it with the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus so that in our own effort, we don't have to earn the love of God or be good enough to enter in and and to seek God. And that brings hope to me because I know I mess up. I know I'm not perfect, but I don't have to rely on my perfection to please God. I have to rely and believe on the perfect work of Jesus to be made right in His sight. It's all about Jesus. Jesus came to turn everything around so that you could worship God so that you could connect with God, so that you could love God. And it's that place that God wants to restore is the place of worship in your life. It's the space of worship that is under contention in your life, that is trying to, trying to be shut down in your life. And, I, and it's, that, it's the noise of stuff in our life that is trying to distract you from the place of worship. That stuff in our life and, and in the in what we read, it was market changes, it was money changes, it was commerce, it was noisy. There was bleeding of the sheep and the mooing of the cows. And, and in our life, we can get to a place where our space of worship gets crowded with stuff that was never meant to be there, that was never meant to enter into a place of worship, has come and crept in. It's, oh, no, 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 I'm worried. I live here now. Oh, oh, no, no, I'm concerned. I live here now in your place of worship. Because if you didn't get it, what you need to understand is that not only did Jesus come to change the whole system, the pleach came to change the place of worship from a place in Jerusalem to a place now in your heart so that we become temples of the Holy Spirit. How crazy is that? So the external nature of going and worshipping God now is not, a, is not a journey to a place. It's actually a journey inward to go, God, thank you. I accept you. I, and He's residing in you. Because I, I was feeling a bit far from God for whatever reason. Just two days ago, worry was in my life. Concern was in my life. And I don't know if you ever feel like you just can't connect. With God, I thought, well, I got to do something. I got to go somewhere. And then I felt God check me and said, no, you don't have to do anything. Would you just turn in and see what I've done? Just look inside and see the the power that I have done. And it's that small. It's like, I'm just, okay, God. So right in the midst of stuff, I can turn and see the perfect work of Christ and go, oh, I'm not far from God. I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. That He lives in me and that I'm not alone. But, but what, we, what happens in our life, noise comes. Noise comes to distract. And not all noise is bad. Not all noise is evil. It's just noise. It could be the noise of, of family, responsibility, that the bills need to be paid. That's not evil, but it shouldn't take the place of worship in your heart. I want you to start to see that you actually have a sacred place in your heart and that place is only for God. It's for worship. It says, my house should be a house of prayer. So what does that mean for you and I? Is that there needs to be a space in your life, and actually it's your whole life, that should be dedicated for God, for worship and for prayer. So that your life becomes this holy place that you can't just, 
is your life becomes sanctified. Your life becomes something that, that God is so passionate about so that he'll, that he'll turn tables, come on, that He'll break stuff so that you could make sure that that place in your life is free and clear of noise and stuff and mess. Because what is the noises that come? It's like, like I said, the everyday stuff, the pressures of life, the, what's going on with the government and the mandates and all of that stuff. That gets noisy really quickly. And if you allow that stuff to get into the place that is, is only for God, the worship of your life, the love of God, that will distract you from what you need to do in that place. Are you with me today? Because noise wants to distract. And actually noise wants to demote what's really important. That stuff wants to say, I'm actually more important. Urgency, have you ever, the urgency of a situation to say, oh, hey, look at me, look at me. Focus on me, focus on me. And if we allow the distraction of the noise to, to come into that place in our heart that it should be reserved for worship, prayer and connection with God, guess what? Your eyes are taken off the prize. What's important becomes divided in your life. And let me tell you, that's not an effective way to deal with anything. I mean, I know I can't do two things at once. I can't look on my phone and drive. Both things are going to be bad. I'm going to send a wrong text message and I'm going to crash my car. So when we try and connect with God, but carry in with us the weight of the world and the noise of the world and try and deal with everything when we're there with God, you're not going to do anything well. You're going to be too distracted to connect with God. And guess what? You're not going to receive the power that you need to go out and to deal with the stuff. Because like I said, we got to deal with stuff. God's called us to be stuff dealers. That's, yeah, no, we'll just go with that. I've been reading a lot of Dr. Zeus and the way he talks about stuff. I got some Dr. Zeus happening. But you're called to, to be effective people in the world. So whatever the noise is, God's calling you to walk in a way that you can deal with it. And you might feel helpless and hopeless. Like I know that's a thing right now with worry and concern. But I'm telling you, you're not without hope in the world. You might not know how the society is going to fix itself or if it will fix itself or when it will fix itself. Come on, I'm going to be real right now. We don't know when, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But what you do have is access to the Most High God where you can go in confident that the blood of Jesus covers your mistakes, your shortcomings, makes you right before God and you can make a house of prayer wherever you are. You can have a place of worship wherever you are. So when the boss tells you your job's on the line, you don't have to worry about that. You just go to Jerusalem, baby, right in here. Just in here. No, no, you're just right in that moment when you read the email that causes you to worry. You have a pathway to Jerusalem, a new Jerusalem that Jesus has set up in your heart. Come on. Come on, and, and we're going to go there. We're going to go there to get what we need. We're going to go there. And I love that. Oh, man, we go there to worship God. We go there to say, hey, I'm not important. My stuff isn't important so much that I, I, I elevate it above God. Because when you come to a place of worship, you're saying, God, you are above. You are the Lord. And then we begin to pray. We begin to connect because it's in the place of worship that power flows into your life. Where does worship happen? It happens in your life. 
It happens in your heart. And you have to defend it to the hill. That's not a saying, but you have to defend it. You have to fight for it. You can see Jesus getting so passionate about that space. What are some of the other noises? Some of the other noises that come in and creep in, like we talked about, worry, drama, people. When I say we got to fight, I'm not saying you need to fight people. Hear me now. No, 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 that's wrong because what you have to look inside into your life and you might be facing a, a people issue. Is he okay? Is he all right? My boy, you might be facing a people issue, but what does that, what space does that people issue take up in your heart? When the person doesn't treat you right, when they say that thing about you, a lot of us want to go punch that person. (laughs) But that's not what we're called to do. We're called to, in our heart, make sure that the real estate is not taken up by anger, It's not taken up by unforgiveness, not taken up by angst. And you've got to deal with that stuff, but you don't elevate it into the place where it's taking your time with God, where it's taking your ability to connect with God. There's a battle for that space. You're engaged in it. So if worry is so crowding your life that you can't connect with God, then we need, to, we need to address that. And guess what Jesus does? He gets a whip and he whips it, whips that stuff out. And what I mean by that is that how do we keep the space in our heart for God? We need Jesus to help us. You can't do it on your own. Because might, you might be struggling with an issue, a behaviour. It might be a sin issue or a thought issue that you know that in your life, that thought process or that habit or, or doing that, you know that's not right and you know it's just creating noise and mess and, and stuff in your life and it's not good for you. And you might feel helpless and hopeless and how to get it out. Let me, let me tell you, Jesus is coming with a whip. But it's a whip of love. It's a whip of of. of Him making a way in your life. It's not a whip of condemnation. It's not a whip to tell you you're terrible. But the picture is beautiful because Jesus is powerful to get rid of the stuff that you couldn't get rid of in your life. That's what I'm saying. He could drive sin out. That's that's what He came to do, to break the power of the devil, to break the hold of sin in your life. And sin is just brokenness. It's just, uh, it's, it's not being able to live up to the standard. And guess what? All of us fall short of God's standard and all of us need Jesus to come and heal and restore our life. So how do we keep that space clear? Firstly, we have to know that Jesus has done the perfect work and we have to receive it. That's, that's the thing. Our, our job is to receive by faith what Jesus is doing. And I love that because He comes not only to relocate the place of worship from one place into our hearts, but He also comes to renovate that place of worship. So I want you to see that Jesus comes in to renovate. It's like, get out that stuff. Let's get it out. You don't have to be bound any longer by... I'm looking for a word. You don't have to be bound by substance. No, no, no. You don't have to be bound by addiction. No, no, no. Because Jesus makes a space. 
And because we read in chapter 1 that, that the, the law came through Moses, but, and we actually read it today as well, but Jesus came full of love and faithfulness. So when He comes to your life, He comes with love and faithfulness to help you, to restore you, to fight for you. Punch that devil in the face in your life. Just honestly, break the power. Some of you are going to be the people in your family line to break the curses that have been following your family around and around and around. And you're going to be the one to step up and stop it from going forward. Because there's a, there's a passionate God that is fighting for you and that has fought for you. And we see it, passion for, for my Father's house consumes him. Guess what? That means that God is so passionate about you that He will fight for you. And He has fought for you. And that victory is won, baby. He beat the devil up on the cross. And that's no joke. And so when we live our life, we are living from the place of victory. So God will fight for you. When you feel like nobody will fight for you, God has fought for you and He'll continue to fight for you to make sure that the place of worship in your life is free and clear for you to come and connect with God. You can connect with God. And then once we realise that Jesus has done it, then He helps us to keep our life free and clear because we then have responsibility to cultivate what's around us. We need to have wisdom on the things that we allow to take up that space in our life. And something you can do really, really easily in, as a part of that exercise is to do some reflection. Do it with God. Take five minutes with God and just, just see yourself connecting with Him, turning to Him and asking God, is there any area in my life that has taken up the real estate and the location that should be yours and yours alone. God has worry crept into my life, so much so that it's distracting me from connecting with you. Lord, help me. Help me. And, and that's a great process. And it's, as, you, as you identify it, you begin to ask God help and He will. And then you connect with other Christians and you get, guess what? Be vulnerable. That's why it's great to join a connect group and say, hey, I'm struggling in this area, but I need prayer in this area. And then as brothers and sisters, we can help each other walk in that. So I feel like I've said a lot and I hope you got something from that.